Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today we're going to talk about the post-pandemic response fallout. I saw an article in the Detroit Free Press that talks about what's going on with preschool-age children since we've gone back to normal. Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, let's get this party started. Welcome, my friends. I hope that you're having a great day. Wherever your day is, whatever's going on, I hope that it's a great day. I want to talk to you about the after effects of COVID. And this is a conversation that I'm not hearing a lot about. And I'm starting to see some newspaper articles about it, some media articles about it. I'm starting to hear a few conversations about it. I have heard it from school administrators. And so my I tip my hat to them but they're about it and uh, let me just let me just set the stage for you so this week I had to go shopping here at our local Meyer, and I went in and I you know bought some things and I walked past where the newspaper is and I don't typically buy the Detroit Free Press um, mostly because I consume most of my news probably like you via other means however above the fold I see this title kids post pandemic behavior alarming and so I'm interested and so I pick it up and I scan it and it says here's like the little subtitle I'm not really sure what it's called because I'm not in the newspaper business but there's this little thing here that says some toddlers showing aggression and self-harm and Jennifer Brooklyn goes on that's the uh, reporter goes on to write an excellent article a Detroit child care owner Betty Favors waited out the worst of the pandemic shutdowns she looked ahead to when she could safely reopen cribs to college academy and welcome back the 75 children she prayed were safe at home after more than 25 years years in business. Favors figured when things finally got back to normal, so would the kids. And the article goes on to say, nope, not accurate. And of course that's not accurate. And it goes on to actually really kind of lay out some of the behaviors that are very problematic. Miss Brooklyn goes on to write, and you can hear the newspaper. I love that sound. I really like newspaper. I do actually get a newspaper delivered to my house on the weekends, and my wife makes fun of me, so pray for me. All right, so in the article, Miss Brooklyn goes on to write, many of these young children are struggling with mental health issues that have become more noticeable and more urgent as time goes on. She then quotes the owner of the daycare to say that Favors says it's a problem that will follow these kids into their school years and beyond. It's getting progressively worse, Favors said. The children's behavior, their mental state, their learning capabilities, it hasn't been that long since people started talking openly about adult mental health. Then the effects of COVID-19 on school school age sparked national concern as news research revealed bounding levels of anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I'm not making fun of this, what this woman's saying. I want to be clear on that. Here's what just chafes me about this article. It's kind of implied that nobody said this was going to happen. And literally many, many mental health professionals were like, wait a second, what are we doing? People who were against the lockdowns for the schools. Now look, I'm not here to wade into the, the, the political side of this. 
and I'm sure I'm probably going to get some emails on both sides of it, but whatever. Whatever you think about the government lockdowns of jobs and all of that, there was little to no research to suggest that schools were a dangerous place. I put an article up on my my Facebook page about that, and somebody said, well, I know a teacher that got it from the students and died. I get that, but those numbers were incredibly rare. Incredibly rare. Well, that doesn't matter to that teacher. I know, but the question that I said from the beginning, and if you don't believe me, go back uh, in, into 2020 and listen to a few of those episodes, was what are we going to do with the fallout of what we're doing? And this article is one of the few articles where I, I see people saying, hey, you know what? We've got some really bad outcomes, not from COVID, but from how we responded to COVID oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And there's almost this hand-wringing to it like nobody told us. And I'm just like, what are you saying? I do believe that there was a suppression of anyone who said, hey, there's going to be really bad outcomes from what we're doing. And I don't necessarily mean suppression from the government. I know that people are going to say that there is suppression from the government. I'm really trying to stay away from that. There was a societal suppression. And what I mean by that is in society, if you were like, hey, I don't think this is a good way to respond to COVID. You were vilified, shut down, attacked. People tried to dox other people for it. They were mocked, accused of spreading misinformation. There was a lot of really bullying type behaviors for people who said, hey, whatever we do, we have to consider both the immediate consequences and the long-term consequences. And now those consequences are coming back to roost. I'm going to read another part of the article. When Katie Wisniewski visits, I'm not sure if I said her name right, but it might be Wisniewski. No, it looks like Wisniewski. When Katie W. visits childcare centers these days through the state's mental health counseling service, the behaviors she notices aren't a surprise. Little kids are bouncing all over the classroom, unable to sit still. Toddlers are knocking over each other's block towers. One hits, one cries, another hides. All of these behaviors can be completely normal and Wisniewski guides child care providers in Wayne County in understanding typical developments in kids. If you don't listen from Michigan, Wayne County is the east side of the state. It can be hard to tease out which behavioral challenges are part of being small, which are the symptoms of underdeveloped social emotional skills, and which speak to a mental health problem. Wisniewski, I'm, I'm sorry, I almost missed it. But she won't deny seeing a swell in the number of children exhibiting these behaviors more often and more intensely. I think because of the pandemic, these challenges have just been increased, she said. Younger and younger children have presented with anxiety at the Judson Center, a nonprofit providing behavioral health services in Southeast Michigan. In childcare settings, the toll is obvious and it's beyond what workers were prepared for. Certain behaviors are what we look for and are trained to deal with, said Tracy Bettison, who runs four after school centers and provides consulting and professional development for other child care centers, including favors. But Bettison says she can glean through their play and the things that they say to each other that many children and their caregivers and providers need help. Children have been hitting teachers and their parents, screaming at the top of their lungs, even acting out sexually explicit acts that they saw while at home or unsupervised on the internet. Stevens adds to the list issues such as sleep issues, feud refusal, nightmares, even self-harming behaviors. And remember, we're talking about toddlers here. We're talking about about preschool age children in preschool program. And now here's the money part, the part that just... I I just couldn't believe what I was reading. Recognizing that babies, toddlers, and preschoolers' mental health have been affected by the pandemic is the first step in addressing it. For the record, I wholeheartedly agree with that. But many child care centers dealing with this issue have no band-aid to apply. They are left short-staffed, overworked, and underpaid, and many caregivers are suffering themselves. In 2022, researchers completed the largest ever national study of the physical and mental health of U.S 
U.S. child care professionals and found that nearly 46% of them were depressed. Two-thirds of them reported moderate or high stress levels, almost twice the estimate for other adults. Now, for the record, uh, in fact, I'm going to have an episode that will be coming out soon. It might already be out because I record these and they don't always go up in the order that I record them. I don't actually think having high stress is bad for you. And I know that you probably just thought, what did he just say? It's true. Uh, I I either go back and listen to that episode or if it's coming, keep listening because I'm going to do it. I've got research to back it up. Uh, I have other professionals who are way smarter than me who also back it up. But here's one of the things to consider in this. Experts say anxiety, grief, and depression in a caregiver can quickly taint the mental health health of a young child in her charge. Now, the newspaper I want to point out was sexist. I am not. They're the ones who put her in there. Uh, Any of you male caregivers out there, I want you to know that I support you. I also support the female caregiver. Favors, that's the woman we originally met, has repeatedly had staff ghost her, never appearing for work. She recently hired one young woman who showed up for her first day to find three children crying inconsolably. An hour later, she said she went to retrieve her cell phone from her car and the woman never came back in sight. Now, that's another post-pandemic problem that nobody's talking about and that is the workforce for all the people that say they're looking for jobs for all the people that are looking to hire i cannot tell you how many business owners i've run into who are like you know what i can't hire people Uh, i hire them and they don't show up or i hire them and they show up and they work a half a shift and then they leave so that's not just a problem for for you know caregivers in toddler type settings then the article kind of goes after like look we need more money it does accurately say mental health help is spread thin while having access to an infant and early childhood mental health consultation is used as a wonderful resources. Uh, These personnel don't stay on site to witness and respond, et cetera, et cetera. And then she has... uh you know, in the absence of money, what can be done? Most child care providers who've been in the industry for a long time aren't fit, aren't in it for the money or the glory. That's for sure. They do it for the children. So they're not ready to just give up yet. They just got to work harder. Without extra money, they're casting about for ways to help the kids cope that won't cost them their livelihood. Experts say it's out there. There might not be enough bodies, but there are many resources that are out there and that are available and that can be at low or no cost. And I would agree with that. There are a lot of resources out there. My own office, we try to work with people as often as we can uh, over the years. Uh, we have given a lot of therapy away. Here's where I would probably divert a little bit from the article. We have to talk about a couple things. One, we have to talk about the fact that the decisions that were made as a collective nation during the COVID pandemic brought about consequences. When we deny that, we deny how the world works. The bottom line is every decision you make has a consequence. Everything that you do leads to something else. And so I'm not here in this forum to debate right or wrong about the responses. What I am here to say is we have to stop suppressing the conversation about the fallout from those decisions. When government leaders get on TV and and they say, well, we can't talk about it. And of course, they don't say it in this words, right? They're politicians. And they say, well, we can't talk about this because we did what we had to do. That That's silly. That is straight up silliness because the reality is we have to talk about it. We have to talk about this consequences because here's one of the other things, regardless of our decisions, there was going to be a whole nother fallout. And that was this. If you just, I just want you to think about a piece of paper and a pen, and I want you to draw in in your mind, or if you have a piece of paper and pen, draw a line and then put two ends on it. So if your line is three inches, draw a half inch uh, vertical attached to the line at each end. In between those two verticals, 
write the word pandemic. To the right of your end vertical, just put a dotted line until you run out of paper. That's what we're living in. And here's the problem. When we entered the pandemic, we didn't have a lot of reserve energy. We didn't have a lot of grit. My wife just got done uh, sharing some research with me where a counselor did a, a, a test of a class of students in middle school on grit. And there's five, there's five measurements that we take for grit. If you don't know what those are, look up Angela Duckworth's work on that. I've mentioned it before, but there's five areas that, that typically counselors would measure on that. And almost everyone in the group, these were not middle schoolers, I'm sorry, they were high school students. Almost everyone in the group had two or less of the five qualities. And and that was trending that way before the pandemic. But here's the thing. When you enter a crisis like that, most of us just put our heads down and did whatever we had to do to get through. The government says we have to shut down, we shut down. The government says you can't go to church, you don't go to church. Instead, I remember driving by our our local church here, my family's local church here, and, and there were men standing outside, you know, six feet apart, Uh, praying. Luke Combs wrote a song, Six Feet Apart. If you don't like country music, get better music taste. That was a joke. Relax. And so what happens is anytime you're in a crisis, the immediate aftermath of the crisis going back, and we need to put this in air quotes, to normal for life, there's often severe negative consequences. And so one of the things that we have to consider is that was going to happen. There was going to be a downturn. There was going to be a downturn, no matter what. And now, for whatever's going on, kids kids are struggling more. Adults are struggling. Uh, the, one of my friends told me that he just feels like people came out of the pandemic with a, screw it, I just don't care anymore. And that's how they're approaching life which is their prerogative, but it does hurt us as a society. It does hurt their wellness, right? If you're walking around with, you know what, screw it, because I have no idea what's going to happen next and when the next pandemic's going, right? That was one of my complaints. I, I I said all along, I was like, okay, look, before we get into what should the government done and what shouldn't they have done, what's the risk number that we can make these decisions, that we can just universally, unilaterally decide, you know, you, you can only walk down aisle three this way and aisle four that way in the grocery store, et cetera, et cetera. And and so there is kind of, there's, there's certainly a lot of people who they just feel like their spirit was broken because they just have no control over what's going on. And we could make the argument that nobody has control. Control's an illusion. I, I support all that, but we have to have a conversation about what are we doing with the mental health that is running right now in our time? What are we doing with the mental health issues that are a direct result of COVID, right? I'm glad that, that you know, we've come to where we're at. And I was just talking to a school administrator this week who was like, he, he said he feels like for the first time in three years, we're back to normal inside of school. But what's going on with the kids? And some of it is parents have just stopped parenting. I get it. In fact, the article talks about that. The, the parents just stopped parenting. But what about the, and, and we, we talked first about learning loss. I didn't, but certainly a lot of people talked about learning loss. And I have to be honest, I, I tend to look at school more as character transformation than learning. And and so certainly there are things we have to learn in their basics and, and we're failing in some of those areas and excelling in others. Uh, but that's an important thing that we can measure, learning loss or learning gain. But what about emotional intelligence loss? What about emotional regulation loss? 
That's the conversation we need to start start having. And I agree with the article that the very first step is to start the conversation. In fact, I debated today just starting and ending there. We have to start conversations about it and then kind of circling back later with a, hey, here's what we could do. Because a little bit, I'm afraid that our society, as a society, we're more interested in hearing solutions than we are in having the conversation. And I think both are important. Both are vastly important. Not just like, hey, do these things to fix the problem, but let's have a conversation about what's going on in the problem. Because that way we can come to better solutions. That way we can come to more fully thought out solutions. That way we can come to more fully address the problems that we're looking at. And so I do think that's where I'm going to end. We'll circle back to this at some point. But I want to ask you, are you having conversations with your kids about the emotional fallout from 2023? Are you having, or 2020, excuse me, are you having conversations with your family about emotional regulation, about emotional intelligence? And and these do not have to be hard. I did an episode months ago about just teach your kids emotional words. My wife and I had a, had an argument this week, and, and in part because there's a lot of stress going on in our lives, right? Uh, and, and how we react to that is to sometimes internalize that stress. And we're small business owners and, and lots of things going on. And it is a difficult time to be a small business owner. It might be a difficult time to be a big business owner. I don't know. Uh, and, and so we were having a conversation and I was talking to my daughter and she answered the question with tone. I was like, I don't know why I'm getting tone. And she was like, well, I'm, I'm feel overwhelmed right now and about this thing that's going on. I was like, okay. And I was frustrated. In fact, I was frustrated the next morning when I woke up and we had an argument about it. And my wife said to me, I said, or I said, okay, well, I wasn't, I just, I was, I didn't know why I was getting a tone. And, and I said to her, what, what, what would have been a better way to respond? And she said, why couldn't you have just addressed my emotion first? In other words, she was teaching me emotional intelligence. She said to me, why couldn't you address? In other words, and that would look like this. I can see you're frustrated right now. What could I do to help? Or I can understand you're frustrated. You could even do it this way. I can understand you're frustrated, but could you please not use a tone with me? I wasn't asking you the question. That would, that would, I think that would probably work. I don't know. I'd have to run a buyer, but that's emotional conversation. And we had that conversation in front of our son and we'll continue to have those conversations. And, and if you're struggling, I want you to know that there is help. Reach out to offices, reach out to our office, uh, reach out to a counselor that you trust, talk to a friend. That's not counseling, but it's a good start, but start conversations about how you feel emotionally and your emotional quotient. We have to start addressing our reserve energy emotionally and what we're doing to refill it, what we're doing to put into it. All right. This is where self-care comes from. And I think part of the reason the conversation is struggling is because we've kind of jacked up a little bit self-care. A lot of people tend to think, oh, that's just weird. It's, you know, it's bubble baths and wine and I don't like wine or bubble baths, which, okay, for some people that is, but that isn't actually, I golfed this week. That's good self-care for me, getting outside into the sunshine. We have to have conversations about the effects for our kids. And our goal isn't to remove anything that's difficult for the kids. It's to give them resources, skills, and strengths to, to navigate through those difficulties. But first, we have to have those same skills, strengths, and resources to navigate through our own difficulties. We were on spring break, and I was watching my son uh, uh, kneeboard or boogie board. I'm not sure what the correct term is. And I told my wife, I said, it's the hardest part of being a dad because I see this little 10 year old boy. He's out in the waves. And as he gets more confident, he keeps going out. And I, I want to go out and be like, Hey, come back in a little bit, but I want him to develop the skills of, of, of 
navigating that. And I have to develop them of being able to sit there in some level of discomfort because kids live what they learn and they learn what they live. And we are seeing that right now. Part of the reason when you read this article and you talk and you read all of the terrible behaviors that people are seeing at an increased rate in preschools, my question is always, I wonder if the parents are modeling those behaviors. My guess is they are. And I know people get mad at that, like, oh, you're blaming me? I'm not really blaming you because I don't think in those terms, but I am guessing that you share more responsibility than you're comfortable saying. And on that note, we'll end it. All right, thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, if it caused you to think, if you know somebody who would benefit from the conversation, please share it with three friends. We gain value by sharing things with friends. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.